Yo, welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast. Exciting to be here, recording directly into the Spreaker app because of a recent computer issue I had, which is that I have just had my second laptop die in um, well, second in a year, but second time that one has died far before its time. I had my my first laptop that I bought. I didn't buy until uh, early 2020, uh, just pre-pandemic, really. And it was, uh, you know, because I knew I was going to go do this, uh, the, the craft cannery thing. So I said, well, I need a work laptop. So I bought a really nice one, $2,000 laptop. And it died after about two years. Hard drive failed. And I was told that was pretty early, but not completely unheard of. But still, you know, that had been kind of a, a, you know, just bad luck. So bought another new laptop. This time didn't spend quite as much money. I think I might have spent around $1,000, maybe a tiny bit over, and got a nice Dell laptop. And uh, was told, you know, well, you know, a few years on this, you'll be great. Well, about nine months later, I was plugging in the... uh, uh, external, we have like an external hard drive where I save kind of all of our company's files. I've got three places I save all our company's files because I'm very paranoid because I have, well, quite frankly, <laughs> I have all our company's files on uh, on my laptop. But I also save it to an external hard drive and I save it to a, uh, a third laptop as well, or a second, I should say, second laptop. And um, one of my team members has a laptop that he has at work. Um, He needs his laptop at work, and he also has copies of most of the things on it. So I feel like we've got some redundancy. Anyway, um, I get this laptop, and nine months later, I plug in the external hard drive, and the second I do that, the whole screen just goes black. And I and I just assumed that it had something to do with that, but the, the repair people say no. They say there was a surge in electricity, and because I did not have my laptop plugged into a proper surge protector, that it fried my motherboard. And luckily, because it was so new, it was under warranty, so at least I'm not paying for it. But I'm still sitting here waiting a couple of weeks for it to come back. They had to send it away and blah, blah, blah. So I brought my desktop computer to work. And the secret is I should have done that. A long, I should have done that a long time ago because truth is that's way better. It is way, way better. Um, the, uh, yeah, it's got everything. And I don't know. I'm feel. I'm starting to feel like I might actually be one of the dumbest people alive because I used to essentially split my life in half between home and work. Well, not really in half, more like 90% work, 10% home. But I had some stuff that was exclusive to my home computer. And now I'm going, Why? Why did I ever do that? Like, why? Work essentially is my home. And when I'm home, if my computer's here, I'm tempted to work. So in an effort to, I suppose, it kind of just works out that it's around January 1st. I'm not going to use the word resolution. But in an effort to sort of clean up my life a bit, I brought the desktop computer to work. Now I do not have a computer at home. I have my phone, which essentially works as a computer. So it's not like I'm out of communication when I'm at home. And I guess the laptop, when it comes back, we'll figure out how to melt that into everything. But I'm loving having my desktop computer at work. It's been great. That little tiny bit of stuff that I needed to do at home, now I do at work. And kind of pissed that I didn't think of that a couple of years ago. Should have just done that from day one. But anyway, I don't know. What am I doing wrong to these laptops that I keep frying laptops? Twice the hard drive, mother motherboard. It's like every laptop I have just has some sort of critical and catastrophic failure. 
Speaking of failures, man, do we have a lot to talk about. Um, So I am recording this podcast directly into what's called the Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R app, which is how I actually use, uh, it's a podcast platform that I use to distribute to the other platforms. It is not free, it's got a few extra bells and whistles, and two years into doing this podcast, I just learned, actually more like two and a half years, that I can actually go live. When I clicked to record just now, I learned this four minutes and 33 seconds ago. It gave me the option to go live, which is really exciting. That is a very exciting possibility. We might do a, you know, I might do an experimental live episode at some point. I guess I got to do, I, I should have clicked to go live just now, but it's me sitting in my basement. I really miss when it was warm out and I could do these outside, but it's me sitting in my basement right now and it didn't feel right to, uh, suddenly go live out of nowhere with zero promotion but i i think maybe we do a live episode coming up so i didn't even know it was an option now i gotta find out if it's an option to do any editing otherwise this has officially become the brokest podcast you've ever listened to because <laughs> it's just some guy talking into his phone now i gotta figure out if i could do some editing and actually put in like <laughs> like the intro song and well you'll know if you didn't hear an intro song at the beginning of this episode then i never did figure it out one other cool thing about logging onto the Spreaker app is I found out that uh, we can now be available on Amazon Music. Apparently, we weren't available on Amazon Music. I didn't know that. Now we are. Filled out the form a little while ago. Did, uh, by the way, if you're listening to this on Sunday, January, what is today? The seventh? Is today the seventh? So, wait, hold on. For <laughs> whatever today is, then. Uh, uh, it's probably not there yet because I had to fill out a form and now it's pending. So I'm sure it will be within a couple of days. But anyways, yes. Welcome to the Brokest Podcast. There is. We're back in 2023. More episodes, hopefully just about every Sunday. Um, I am uh, I very much so very excited. Looking forward to my 40th birthday cruise, which is coming up. And if you know me, you may know, is it your birthday in March? Yes, it is. But... Getting a bunch of adults on the same page at the same time is not as easy as you would think. And so we are going on a cruise in January. We leave in a couple of weeks. We got a couple last minute details we got to work out. We finally found a place for our dog to stay, which is great. We uh, just, literally just, I believe last night at like 8 p.m., right before I went to bed, we're able to nail down the house sitter beautiful so dog sitter house sitter those were the two big things we were waiting on and honestly between you and i those were the last two big expenses so now we're ready to go because the good thing about booking that cruise like two years ago is it's been paid for for about two years so i'm very excited about that yes and uh uh, let's talk about the last couple of weeks how was it for you how did it go I had a great break. I had a little bit of time off. I love the way the holidays fell this year with the actual holidays falling on Sundays. So we had Mondays off at my place. We did uh, the 26th, right? December 26th was a Monday. January 2nd was a Monday. Both of them were off days. And I, I just love that. You know, having the holiday off is, of course, it's obvious. You need to have the holiday off. But I've always felt like... It's not a true off day if you have to go to work the next day because then it just kind of like hangs over your head. And so it was really, really nice to have, in both cases, Christmas Day and New Year's Day be days on which you didn't have work the next day hanging over your head. 
that was really beautiful. I thought about this year. So both Mondays off were great. Um, and with that, you know, you celebrate the Christmas Eve, which we do at our house, Feast of the Seven Fishes. Unfortunately, due to the snowstorm in Buffalo, my parents were not able to make it to Rochester, but that was the least of the problems created by that snowstorm. So I don't want to be insensitive by claiming myself to be a victim because I didn't get to see my parents on Christmas. People had it much, much worse, and some people paid the ultimate price for that snowstorm. So uh, it was a very sad thing, very sad story. And, uh, you know, my parents staying home in Ohio and staying safe was was the right move. So anyway, um, Christmas Eve, I ended up being down, which I guess this is a good question. I don't want to cause family drama, but I was supposed to be at like 19 people. I ended up being down to... I want to say 11 people, but a couple of those I found out about. At least my parents were looking at the weather forecast. They canceled three or four days ahead of time. I had uh, I had one, two, three, four, five. I had like five cancellations day of um, for sickness. You know, there was some COVID going around and uh, then, you know, uh, for whatever reasons, but basically – all five of them were tied or linked in some way, shape, or form to COVID. Well, I found that out morning of Christmas Eve. And uh, I had already prepaid for – pre because you have to pre-order when you're ordering that much fish. I had already pre-ordered fish for those five people. <laughs> so <laughs> my wife says, well, you know, my aunt, uncle, my cousins aren't coming. I go, great. What's their address? And she goes, oh, we already sent them a Christmas card. They go, yeah, no, I know. I'm going to send them a bill. (laughs) I know. It's a dick thought. But, you know, of course I didn't actually send them a bill. Of course I didn't. But I do feel like um, it's always bound to happen, though. And we ended up, by the way, because of the Buffalo snowstorm, though, I should say we did end up with one addition because my brother-in-law's girlfriend lives in Buffalo and was unable to drive home for Christmas. And therefore, we ended up with her, which was nice because we ended up with an extra person. So I was happy in that way. you know. And, and, but here's the thing. You get that many people involved in anything, and I'm hoping it doesn't go this way for the crews. People had to pay a lot of money ahead of time, so I'm hope, really hoping it doesn't go this way. But you get that many people involved in anything, and you're going to have that last-minute group of uh uh, you know, bailers and last minute group of, hey, you guys still doing that? I, I'm available now, right? Like, it's always going to happen. <clears throat> so, anyway. Um, but my meal was great. I had uh, my appetizer. I did pare down my appetizer a little bit. Uh, the appetizer still really where all the money is spent, quite frankly. But I did a nice charcuterie board. And I go all out on the charcuterie, and then I do a shrimp cocktail, and I do king crab legs. And quite frankly, that course right there, the charcuterie, the king crab legs, and the shrimp cocktail is by itself is about triple the price of what the actual dinner costs. <laughs> so, oh, God, I feel like such a dick. I'm on here just bitching about money. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I don't mean to be doing that. Oh, God, I am. I'm thinking the more and more I think about it, I'm getting like, oh, God. You know, my plan this whole time has been to have Brother Wheeze on for like my 100th episode, but I really only count the episodes where I interview people. And one of the first things I want to tell Wheeze is I want to go, Wheeze, I think I'm becoming a little more moderate. And um, 
and you know, I want to use the word Republican or conservative. I don't know if I'm there, but I'm certainly seeing the light on a few things. And uh, one of those things, God, I'm going to get off on a tangent here, has been this whole mess with the electing the Speaker of the House. And I'll tell you, man, there's issues certainly on both sides of the aisle, but it does appear that the Republicans have some of the kookiest of the kookies. And, uh, but they also have some of the somewhat more logical policies. <laughs> I'm getting myself in so much trouble. And uh, and then I get pissed off. I see the tweets that say, well, you know, they tell you it's inflation, but corporate profits are at a 70-year high. Somebody's lying in their pockets. That's always my favorite thing. Everybody always gets pissed and says, somebody's lying in their pockets. Well, <coughs> you know, there's a couple of things. I, I, I put on, I try to do this because of the fact that I do fancy myself sitting somewhere in the middle. I try to put both hats on for a second. Let me put on my liberal Democrat hat for a moment. Corporate profits at a 70-time high. Boy, that does expose the flaw with capitalism. The flaw with capitalism is that nobody ever accounted for head starts and greed. Capitalism is great on paper if everybody starts out with zero dollars and zero connections. But as we know in life, that is not the reality. People start with different levels of financial backing and different levels of connections. Excuse me. Um, And greed is not accounted for whatsoever with capitalism. What we never really took into account was the fact that somebody who makes a million dollars is very motivated to make a second million dollars. Whereas we all kind of thought, I think maybe when we built capitalism, that there would be more opportunities for those people who have made their million dollars to kind of look back and prop up and help up the people who haven't yet, right? That doesn't happen quite as often as we wish it did, I think. And that's been one sort of flaw with capitalism. And so it it does, it points back to greed, kind of points back to greed. And I think maybe that's the flaw with capitalism. And also it's the fact that just not everybody starts out on square one. You know, it's the old saying of born on third base. Well, people are born all over the baseball diamond. I mean, there's people born at home plate, but there's plenty of people born halfway to first, on first, second, halfway between second, third, third. And and even some people, I, I think you're not giving them enough credit when you say they're born on third base. I'd say there's people who are born with a solid leadoff on third base, bases loaded, uh, and, and you know, set up where really, as long as they don't do anything too terrible, they're going to be successful. There's not enough sort of credit given for how often that exists, and, and that's the flop. But now let me put on my Republican hat for a second and try to argue against this bullshit that uh, corporate profits are at an all-time high, and that means that corporations and all people are evil. It, it's pretty simple the way business works. It, it works on margins, profit margins. I mean, if something, if I'm selling you something for a dollar that cost me fifty cents to make, my profit was fifty cents, right? Okay. If now that thing costs me a dollar to make, but my business, my books, my budget is made based on me maintaining that margin of a one hundred percent markup, then if it costs me now a dollar to make. 
and I continue to charge a dollar for it, I'm irresponsible to my employees because we don't make money anymore and we soon go out of business and people lose jobs. So my only option is to raise my price. And I raise my price according to the profit margin, not the penny profit. So instead of going to $1.50 to continue to make my 50 cents, my business isn't based like that. The numbers don't work that way. It doesn't work on making 50 cents on every sale. It works on making a 50% margin on every sale or a 100% markup. So the $1 cost now, I need to charge $2 for that item because everything is done in percentages, not necessarily just pennies and penny profit. Do you see what I'm saying? So profit margins look higher. Now, you can read way further into that, and I have. I've read into the article. You can read way further into that, and you'll see that the uh, margins, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the corporate profits being way up story is uh, all over the place in terms of is it true? Are some companies making a killing? Are other companies not? And the truth is, frankly, the one company that is sort of just, any article you read, they'll tell you, is sort of exempt from being the bad guys here is grocery, food. Food is the one company that, um, if you read a, uh, I think that if I remember right, I did a little research on this topic before I got into it. it was Wall Street Journal, maybe um, had done an article, and they were talking about that, basically saying the low margin to begin with businesses are really just kind of moving along with the way prices have increased over the course of the last couple of years. Um, some of the higher margin businesses, maybe there is some of that corporate greed happening. It's just all over the place. You can't point in general at businesses and say that they are up to some sort of scheme here. Um, the answer is just all over the place. It's just, And that's the answer, I think, with everything. Nothing's ever black and white. The answer is always in the gray somewhere. It's something we tend to get caught up with. I think Hollywood has kind of ruined for us is they've taught us there has to be a good guy and a bad guy. And I think we forget in real life, everybody is the good guy in their version of the story. Think about it. It turns out to be true all the time, whether it's in really super big, important stuff or just in arbitrary little gossip around the gymnasium. Where did I come up with gymnasium? (laughs) Cafeteria. I don't know. I was trying to come up with like a high school gossip scenario. (laughs) But still, think about it. Every time anybody is at odds, there's a really good chance you can take both of those people or entities that are at odds and have them explain themselves and they will give you a version of the story where they are the good guy. Right? Right. That's how it works. Speaking of movies and Hollywood and Christmas break, I, I was still talking about food, wasn't I? I didn't even get it. I didn't even finish my menu. All right. We're going to come back to the menu, I promise. But I got to see two movies over Christmas break. I watched Avatar, Way of Water, and I watched uh, The Menu, the thriller, the sort of horror movie. Um, Avatar Way of Water was an experience. I was really happy to go to the movie theater for this one. I hadn't been to a movie theater in a really long time. And I took advantage on that morning after Christmas. It was like the Monday morning, the 26th. I went to a 10 a.m. Avatar. And that was that was awesome to be able to do that. To, to be able to just on a Monday, like just go to the movies. That was that right there was my break. That was like being on vacation, I swear. The movie itself, I don't know. I mean, if you read the reviews on this one, they'll say self-indulgence again. You know, they're, it, James Cameron. The thing is three a little over three hours long, 
and the plot is the same as every movie you've ever seen, you know, especially every sequel you've ever seen, which which is bad guy comes back to get revenge on good guy. That's it. And we take about an hour and a half in the middle of this movie to just show the avatars swimming around in the water because it's a groundbreaking movie that has stunning visuals. I mean, they have truly, completely created a planet here. A completely different species. Many different species, right? If you're counting all the different fish and crap that's in the water. And um, and the fact that all the avatars are played by real human beings who have some sort of motion capture outfit that they're wearing and they're doing real acting... It, the movie took them like 13 years to come out with. Edie Falco, you might remember from uh, Nurse Jackie, and also she was uh, Carmela in The Sopranos. But Edie Falco, when Avatar 2 came out, Avatar Way of Water came out, she said she thought it had come out years ago and just been a flop. That's how long ago she filmed her scenes. She filmed them literally years and years. She couldn't even remember when she filmed them. She thinks it's been at least five years since she filmed her scenes. And the movie just now came out. <coughs> I did look that up. It looks like they filmed most of that movie in the year 2017. So that's just, that's really, that is how long it takes for them to put out one of these freaking movies. But apparently, part of the reason that took so long is because I heard they have already filmed part three the storyline, the filming, it's all done. They're just still in the editing and after effects stage of that. And that will come out maybe not this uh, Christmas, but the Christmas after that. Anyway, going to the movies was an enjoyable experience. The plot itself kind of sucked. It was typical bad guy. I mean, really, you can predict it, right? Bad guy comes back for revenge on good guy. Good guy now has a couple of kids. Um, he's got four or five kids. Two of those kids are young men who want to grow up to be just like their father. In fact, those kids want to be just like their father so much that they go bullheaded right into battle. Really, with inexperience, they still just go right into battle because they're little hotheads. You want to take a guess as to what happens to one of those kids? Uh huh. Think about if you needed to move a plot along and motivate a good guy to kill a bad guy what would you do to those kids sorry spoiler alert anyway you saw it coming from the freaking first 10 seconds of the movie the second they introduce the guy's kids sorry i am giving you spoilers now but the second they show the kids like the literally the first view we get of them is that they're kind of reckless and all i thought was i went well we know we <laughs> we know what's happening in this movie well these kids is gonna die and then sure enough <clears throat> Yeah, it is. It is visually stunning. It's a great movie. in In that way, you put your three D sticker, three uh, D glasses on. You get your popcorn. You sit in the movie theater, and the fish are basically flying right in front of your face. It's really cool. That being said, I don't know if I got three hours of my life to go watch Avatar. The other movie I watched was The Menu. This was an interesting movie, and and this was a movie that <clears throat> was a little bit goofy. Um, but it was a it was a thriller. It was a horror movie. Um, it was I like that it was somewhat based in reality because I don't love supernatural horror movies. I always feel like 
it's tougher to create a horror movie where you have to follow the rules of the world as opposed to a horror movie where you introduce paranormal, which now makes it so that you can break the actual rules of how the world works. And this followed the rules of the world. So I like that. It was based in reality. Still somewhat unrealistic in the way things play out. But nonetheless, basically, this movie served as a way to just make fun of influencers, content creators, foodie influence, influencer, foodie Instagrammers and whatnot. Now, I know plenty of foodie Instagrammers, and honestly, I, I think highly of them. They're my friends. They're great people and everything. But there, there certainly is a – this whole movie is kind of a jab at them for – I got to tell you one part. Just one part, please. Oh, my God. <coughs> I'm going to give away one part, but it is not it – is, it is a tiny spoiler, but it doesn't spoil the end of the movie, okay? So the movie is about a bunch of these sort of foodie influencers who have been um, invited to an exclusive night at a restaurant. This restaurant is a restaurant that exists on an island. It is a famous restaurant, and in this movie we're – or in this world we're expected to believe it is the – most famous restaurant in the world and there's only something like five or six tables and um, they're open six nights a week and you have to basically it's very exclusive it's almost impossible to eat there right and so um (laughs) one of the guys who goes it's all kind of influencers in one way shape or form but um one of the guys who goes is a famous instagrammer and he is, you know, he's a guy who takes pictures of his food and all that shit. So he um, is trying so hard to impress the chef all night. He's constantly just trying to impress the chef with how much he knows about food, right? He's just like, he's constantly using terminology that's over everyone's head. And he's just, he's just, he really is just kind of the stereotypical kind of annoying influencer. And at one point, the chef goes over to him. And again, remember, it's a horror movie. So goes over to him and goes, wow, you, you picked up on this and you picked up on that. And you really are an absolute masterpiece. I mean, you don't belong out here taking pictures of the food and eating the food. You belong in the kitchen. Why don't you come in the kitchen with me and... And here, 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 here's a chef's jacket. And I, I'm going to customize the chef's jacket for. I'm going to write your name on the chef's jacket. Now, tell us what you need, chef. What can we get for you, so that you can teach all of us? And we're here to learn. And so he's like, you can tell he realizes at this point that he's completely screwed. He says, uh, 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 "Leaks and." Uh, uh, I need uh, onions or something. I don't remember. It's like leeks and onions or something. The chef goes, get the man leeks and onions. <laughs> and so they get him leeks and onions. What else, chef? What else? And he goes, uh, b- b- butter. But Get the man some butter. <laughs> so he chops up the leeks and the onions. And the chef goes, oh, this chopping technique is, this is a technique that we've been ignorant of our entire lives. Look at this chopping technique. And, it's, of course, he's chopping it like a regular person, not like a chef. And, and then he throws the, the onions and the leeks in, the, in a pan with butter. And the chef's, going, the chef's going, 
Oh, it's leeks and onions and butter. Why didn't we think of that? My God. What, what an innovative, innovative. So then he's, what, what protein would you like? And she goes, uh, lamb. I'll take lamb. He's, get the man some lamb. And he gets some lamb and he puts the lamb in the, th- and he basically serves like raw lamb with like leeks and onions that he sauteed in butter. And the chef just, I actually at that point, you know what? That's it. I'm not telling you anymore. Because what happens next gets a little dark, I guess. But um, that was that was a really funny part to me. Because it pointed out, where are these foodie influencers going with this whole thing? Like, what's the ultimate goal here? Are they trying to show that they know more than the rest? Are they just trying to show that they're huge fans? And if they're huge fans, then why are they judgmental? And... I guess the whole point of the movie is it's this world-renowned chef. He's, you know, the best chef in the history of the universe. And he just feels like the magic is gone from what he does. And so he's he's sort of punishing these people who he finds responsible for taking the magic out of what he does. Um, it's a good movie. It was interesting. You know, it wasn't three hours. That's for damn sure. Hour and a half long movie. Like, they all should be. So, speaking of food, though... Let's talk about my culinary creations. I left us off with Christmas Eve, my appetizer course. Moved into the dinner course, which I did a lot of my traditional grandpa meals. I did uh, anchovy pasta. I did a little bacalao. I did some. Uh, I did bake some cod as well, so there'd be a healthier option. Um, and with that, I just do a little salt, pepper, onion. Nothing special. Uh, what else I do? I do um, some fried calamari. I do some fried haddock, kind of more of a traditional fish fry situation there. Um, I did do a lasagna this year because I had some new people coming, and I thought if anybody hates seafood, I want for them to have an out somewhere. I don't want anyone to be choking down seafood, so I want to always have one option. Oh, I did lobster mac and cheese too, which went very good. Uh, I did some potato, baked potatoes, which was nice. And overall, it was very good. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest on the podcast, Leo Guglielmo. Can I go check out my birthday party toys? I, al- I know I already have one upstairs, but I can still check one out. So what he's saying is you came down to the basement where Daddy's recording a podcast, and because you're down here, you see that there are some toys that have been put into storage that you want to get, right? Oh, I'm not going to get another birthday party toy because I already have, have my racetrack. But, I'm go- but I know I'm going to... Right, Leo, can you come here for a second? Because I wanted to talk on my podcast about Paw Patrol Live. Can we talk about that? Because we just went yesterday to Buffalo for Paw Patrol Live and... I was going to give a review of it, but I feel like you would be better to give a review. Tell us everything about Paw Patrol Live. So, I get, get to meet the Paw Patrol at the end. You met uh, Chase and Sky, right? Yeah. What about the actual show? How was the show? Good. And uh, did you go out with Mommy and Daddy for lunch afterwards? Yeah. Where did we go? I don't know. Dinosaur Barbecue in Buffalo. Dinosaur Barbecue. Ball get cute. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, I love them so much. Yeah, we went to Paw Patrol Live yesterday in Buffalo. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. The experience was great. He loved it. Oh, just I, seeing that little guy happy makes my whole heart 
content. And that's what Christmas was. You know, Christmas was like the magic is back in Christmas. And um, Leo opening up his presents just furiously on Christmas morning. And then Leo's a lucky little boy, too, because Leo gets his, his presents at home. Then he gets to go to Grandma Debbie's, Papa Lou's. Can you tell the podcast one time Grandma Jane gave me that Express Hess truck? That's right. And then your great-grandma Jane gave you an Express Hess truck. And um, the other thing... Oh, and then when when, uh, my mom and dad come, when Grandma Patty and Grandpa Chucky come, Leo also gets to open a bunch of presents. So Leo gets, like, you know, kind of a nice little Christmas that lasts a couple of days. But anyway, back to the meal. Christmas Eve. I think I covered pretty much everything I made. New Year's Eve, though. Because I still got two more cooking extravaganzas. Uh, New Year's Eve was my traditional New Year's Eve meal, which is the... We call it the Tarsitanos. It was a restaurant that we used to eat at in Conneaut, Ohio, my hometown, that, that went out of business. I think it didn't necessarily go out of business. I think they moved to Florida. They literally moved to their restaurant to Florida. But it was a guy who basically made like three things. He basically did steaks, raviolis, and salads. And that was almost all that was on his menu. And of course, you could order steak dinner, steak and salad, or you could order ravioli and salad, or you could order the ultimate feast, which was steak, ravioli, and salad. So I make the ultimate feast, steak, ravioli, and salad. Um, But part of the secret is I do a little something different to the steak that I normally would, which is I do a um, gorgonzola, like an extra creamy gorgonzola cheese spread, almost like butter across the steak, which is delicious. And then I also do some portobello mushrooms on top, which, again, were two things he used to do at that restaurant. Those were both uh, the the tricks at Tarsitano's restaurant was the gorgonzola and the mushrooms. For the ravioli, we don't do red sauce or anything. I typically do a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of butter with maybe some tarragon or something and some really nice Parmesan cheese, and I just dust that over the ravioli, sprinkle the cheese, and then so you really you want to taste the ravioli. And so this year we used Pasta Shop ravioli. They're very good on Winton Road. I've, I've found some really good things. Of course, I've got my good friends Mike and Marissa Boza coming out with some of the best ravioli in town over at Boza Pasta. But in this case... It was just sort of a, you know, I had to go with something that was geographically closer to me, so I grabbed the pasta shop stuff. So, um, New Year's Day then, my parents come to town finally because they missed Christmas, and on New Year's Day, I did a good old school just uh, uh, ribs in the oven. Just did some pork ribs, speaking of barbecue, in the oven. I want to say tight wrapped in tin foil at 275 for like three and a half hours, and they came out fall off the bone good just wonderful ribs really just great leo i love you i love you too oh my baby what else let me look at my notes maybe we should wrap this up it sounds like the the guglielmo family is up and running here for this uh day oh i did want to talk let's see what did i miss let me just say better oh i wanted to talk about the football stuff a little bit i missed the biggest thing because i kept on thinking i'll save that for last the uh, DeMar Hamlin tragedy incident. Not a tragedy now as I record this because he's alive but uh, and, he's, and he's apparently doing really well in the hospital. But scariest thing I've ever seen watching sports. Um, it kind of really extra crappy because my, my – Oh, Leo, you have a fire truck. It's beautiful. I got, I, I got it from Once Upon a Child one time with my mom. Cool. So um, 
my wife just started watching football this year for the first time. In the past, football to her has always been just kind of background noise and something I do. But um, this year, she's watching football. So um, when this happened, you know, my wife is a little skeptical as to how serious it was. And at first, you know, it's like anything else. It's an injury, and, and I, I, you know, for the first couple of minutes, we really didn't think anything of it, right? I mean, he goes down, they go to commercial, and we don't know what's happening. My wife and I start to realize kind of together that this is a little bit more serious. And um, her, having only watched football one year out of her entire life, doesn't quite realize that this doesn't happen, right? So I'm trying, starting to kind of tell her, yeah, this seems this seems a little different than normal. And then she starts getting all upset because, you know, to her, she's watched football for one year and she's seen all the injuries that happen. And she's pointing that out. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, God, you know, we've become so like numb to how many just injuries happen every single game. And she's pointing that out to me going, it seems like two or three times a game, somebody gets hurt. Why would anybody play this sport? Why would we ever let Leo play this sport? I'm going, yeah, I guess I mean, it's tough, tough to argue that. That's a good point. We watch it. It's it's truly horrifying that night. It's it's really hard to go to bed that night. Um, next day, you know, you don't get much news. Obviously, a few days later, you know how the story goes. We eventually get really good news, and thank God it looks like everything's going to turn out okay, but it was just way too close of a call. And there's two ways to talk about this in regards to football. And that is the actual football, but then also the NFL going forward. And apparently the NFL does train for a scenario like this. And it's not the first time it's ever happened. I think everyone this week looked up the same statistic, which is, yep, one time in 1971, a player did die on the field. A Detroit Lions player had a similar thing happen, actually, to DeMar Hamlin. But I suppose they just weren't quite as ready for it back then. So the NFL will kind of tout that. They'll say, well, you know, look, our training, our adoption of these policies and our training led to this young man not losing his life that day. Because, frankly, if that had happened out in the wild during a pickup game of football, he probably would have died, right? And so... The NFL is going to kind of beat their chest a little bit and say, look, we we and our policies and our training saved this, but there's still a lot of people out there going, yeah, but your sport t- tends itself towards the fact that people have life-altering injuries occur. And shouldn't there be more? So it'll be interesting to see how that conversation moves forward in the offseason. It's just too much of a money juggernaut. To think it'll ever go away, go away, but softening that sport up more and more and more is just, it's not working. People are still just getting hurt. Now, the actual football part, I'll just quickly comment on. It's not a sports podcast, but you've got the fact that every team is getting a little screwed here, but the Bills and Bengals more than any. So let's say, let's just take the three, the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills, and give you the argument where why they would be pissed off. So... The Chiefs are going to be pissed off because they're going to say, look, the Bills might have lost that game. And and then we would have won the following week and we would have had home field. And now we have no way to host an AFC championship game and we didn't really do anything. You know, without lifting a finger, we lost the ability to host an AFC championship game. The Bills are getting screwed because they're saying the same thing. They're going, look, we had number one seed 
in full control. All we had to do was win out, and we kept it, and we were hosting an AFC championship game, and that was taken away from us. And meanwhile, the Bengals get the most screwed of everyone. The Bengals are going, look, we get it that you're giving us the AFC North. That's fantastic. But that being said, the fact that now we have to play to win on Sunday and we maybe weren't going to have to, we were maybe going to be able to take the Sunday off and rest our guys going into the playoffs. Now we got to play for our lives on Sunday because if we lose, it's a coin flip and suddenly we might lose home field advantage to the freaking Ravens in a coin flip. They really get the most screwed out of everybody. So... Here's the thing, though. As far as everybody getting screwed, I don't know that there was anything else you could have done. Because people are doing these things where they're talking about moving entire weeks of football. They're saying, look, move the playoffs back a week. Uh, uh, put the, uh, you know, put the, <coughs> put the Bills-Bangles game on. That wouldn't have been fair to them either. They would have all had to extend their seasons by a week. Plus... The logistical nightmare with all of those stadiums and people with travel plans and workers uh, who who have to work their life schedules around this. It just wouldn't have been fair. The logistical nightmare would have been to just suddenly blow up the schedule and start over from this point forward. So I think they really did as much as every team is able to look at a particular scenario and say, hey, we're getting screwed here. They did the best they possibly could to get every team as close to, or I should say, instead of as close to winning as possible, they got every team into a scenario where if they got screwed, they were just kind of getting screwed a little bit, right? So anyway, okay, well, thank you for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you, and we will be back next Sunday.